listening to the Save the Marriage podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. Hey, this is Lee Balkum, and this is the Save the Marriage podcast. This is the podcast designed to help you save your relationship, no matter what's going on and no matter where you are in the relationship. Many people listen to this even at the beginning stages of relationships so they can avoid any troubles down the road. In fact, what I've heard over the years is many people talk about my Save the Marriage system as a resource that people should have to read before they get married so they can stay out of the problems. A lot of people think that my program is just for kind of people at the other end of the spectrum, people who are teetering on the edge of falling apart. And the fact is, the same ways you put a marriage back together is the way you keep them together in the beginning. You follow the same path, but most people don't understand that. So that's why we have people listening from across the world and across the spectrum of their relationship issues kind of crazy to think that now well over 3 million times my Save the Marriage podcast has been downloaded from everywhere around the world. Just a crazy fact and a sad fact that reflects how many people are struggling with figuring out a relationship. The reason is because we don't really get a head start on that. You jump into relationships really with very little training other than on-the-job training, which means that you're creating the problems while you're trying to figure out how to avoid the problems. And that really is the problem. So we go through those issues. We go through those struggles. And we try to give you advice. I try to help point the way through the path, how to get from where you are right now to the place where you want to be with a loving relationship, one that you both would treasure and hold on to no matter what's going on. And there is so much going on today, which is where I want to talk some, because what I've been hearing more and more from people is how they just don't have the energy that sometimes they say, you know, I really, really don't want this to end. I just don't have the energy to move forward with this. I don't really think it's a lack of motivation, but I think there are com- other issues that are compounding this. Yesterday, I had a conversation with somebody who told me of a number of things. First of all, she said, you know, here I am facing this pandemic and all of the stuff that's going into that is taking me so much more time to get everything that I need for the household. Not only that, but now I have the kids at home and I've got to figure out how to homeschool them and get them dialed into the stuff that they need to keep them busy. Not only that, but I have a family member that just got a diagnosis. And so we're not sure what's going to happen with that. And now I've got this crisis in my marriage and I, I just don't have the energy, all the stress that's going on. I don't have the energy to deal with that. Here's the problem. Some issues we can put off for a long time. You know, for some people, they say, well, I just, I don't have the energy right now to exercise. Well, that'll wait. Uh, For most people, we can put off exercising for a while, not forever, but for a while. And that's the, the place where a lot of these things tend to center, that we don't deal with some things until they are a crisis. So in this particular situation, this person was telling me, that her husband was saying, you know, I'm done. I'm, I'm ready to leave. And she was telling me she didn't have the time to work on it, to which I had to respond, 
what happens next? Because if you're not going to respond, it sounds like the outcome is already a given. So part of my encouragement with her was to figure out how to decide where to allocate the energy. We all only have so much energy. We've got to figure out how to move through that. As I talked with her, what I realized is she was uh, not really looking at some of the other issues, the real issues that I think are behind the feeling of not having the energy, much less the time to do this. And I think there are several. First one is there is a place of hope versus despair. And a lot of times this feels like I don't have the energy, but people have fallen into despair, partly because they don't understand hope. I talked about the hope formula on other podcasts, so I'm just going to point to it here a little bit, but let's talk about despair. Many times what's really going on when people say they don't have the energy to do something is they don't feel like they can make a difference, so they have despair. So despair is the feeling that no matter what you do, nothing is going to matter. It doesn't matter if you wanted to do something. It's just not worth the energy. Our brain is constantly looking for the question, is it worth the energy to put in here? We do that every day. Maybe you have a friendship and you find yourself just not wanting to connect with that person, not putting any energy into it. Your brain has done an assessment and said, yeah, it's not worth that. I'm not going to get out of that. Maybe the friend requires a lot of energy or something else. And so your brain is just kind of saying, it's not worth it. It's not worth the energy I have to invest for what comes out of that. Your brain does that on a regular basis because that's a survival strategy. It goes all the way back to food. Now, if you're really tired and you see a really energetic prey, you may go, yeah, I just don't have the energy to chase that down. It's going to cost me more energy in my body that I'm possibly going to get, especially if it might get away from me. So we do an energy assessment. Despair leads us to always assess, it's not worth it. So what is hope? Well, hope is a combination of several things. Uh, This is uh, the hope formula comes from research that happened back in the 80s and early 90s. Hope basically has a couple of components. First of all, you have to have a goal. You have to have some place you want to get to. The second thing is you have to have some way of doing it. And the third thing you have to have is agency or the willingness to go there, the willingness to put in the energy. All three of those have to be there. If you don't know where you're going, it doesn't matter what resources you have or energy you have to do it. It doesn't matter because there's nowhere you're going. It's just life. If you don't have a way of doing it, you may say, I want to get there, but you have no way of getting there. That's pretty frustrating. Because even if you're willing to do it, you don't know how to get there. And the final thing is, if you know where you want to get to, and you even know how to do it, but you're unwilling to do it, that can feel frustrating too, because you can't understand why you won't take that next step. Hope happens when all three pieces are there. Now, I want you to notice how much of that is actually under your control? Because a lot of times it makes us feel, this hope thing makes us feel like we're waiting for it to arrive. It's as if we have it or we don't, rather than we control whether we're going to be hopeful or not. So how do we do that? First of all, it's creating that goal. I already mentioned a goal earlier. You may have missed it, but I talked about having a marriage 
that both of you want to be in, both of you are invested in, that both of you put energy into, that both of you protect, that's full of love, full of warmth, full of connection. That already hands you the goal if, if that's what you buy into. You may say, no, that's not really what I want. But my guess is if you're listening to this, that is exactly what you're looking for. The second thing is knowing how to get there. And a lot of people will tell me, I just don't know what to do. I want to do it. I I know what I want. And I I have the agency part, right? I want to do it. I just don't know how. That's why I created the Save the Marriage system. If that's where you find yourself, you can stop listening to that now and jump over to savethemarriage.com and get started with that immediately and find out how to do this step by step. Then there is the last part, the agency. That has to come within. That has to come from that place where you say, this is important, which kind of leads us to the second underlying issue, which is fear versus action. Many times people are fearful of things and choose not to act on it because they think the fear means they should stay away from it. From a very young age, we learn that if we feel fear, we need to back away. The reality is our brain system looks for fear. So our fear system in our brain is only designed to point it out, to show us the danger points. It's not to keep us away. It's as much to alert us that there is something going on that we need to pay attention to. That's what fear is meant to do. Just alert you to the fact that you need to pay attention. And the problem is, Many times when people feel fear, they start reacting from fear instead of allowing the fear to point to them that this is important and that they need to choose action. Fear creates a reaction many times, and the reaction often is either freezing or flailing. Freezing where you don't do anything. Flailing is where you do a lot of action, but none of it very effective or helpful. Neither one of those really do much to mitigate the the threat that you're sensing from the fear, but that's what happens. And so we have to choose action, choosing our path. Sometimes what people assume is a lack of energy, a, a lack of being ready to move forward is actually a lot of fear. They're feeling the fear and they're choosing not to take action because the fear is overwhelming them. Another one that I often see is what I call the nagging unknown. Lots of times people say, well, what if? You know, what if I can't save my marriage? What if this happens? What if that happens? What if? And the the interesting thing is many times when they are doing that, they're never answering it. What if you can't save your marriage? What if? What I've realized is that many people think, oh, that will be so bad, and they never think of what that would look like. So as I walk them through a process of thinking about the what if, they often arrive to the place where they realize that they would survive if the marriage ended. They would just prefer the marriage to work out. And the fact is that sometimes the what if is keeping them from even trying for fear that it won't work out, not recognizing that doing nothing makes it go in that direction anyway. In other words, it's a failure unless they do something. It might be a success if they do something. It's possible that it won't work out, 
But to be able to stare that down is an important part of life in any area of life. Back when I was a chaplain, I remember this person who had decided not to get treatment for cancer. And I was sitting with him and I said, the doctor tells me that you're, you're not going to seek treatment. And the doctor wanted me to talk with you about that. And he looked at me and said, yeah, I mean, what if it doesn't work? What if, what if the treatment doesn't work? And I said, so what's the prognosis? And he said, well, they told me that I'm going to die if I don't get treatment. And I said, and so what you're telling me is that if you, you're going to die, right? And he said, yes. And I said, so if you get treatment, there's a possibility you'll live and there's a possibility you won't. He said, that's right. And I said, so it's a guarantee if you do nothing. And he said, yes. And I said, it's a possibility of survival if you do something, correct? And he said, yes. And I said, tell me again why you're choosing to do nothing. And as we sat there, he realized that his fear of taking action that might not work out was somehow overwhelming the reality, the definite ending, if he did nothing. We often choose that. Ironically enough, we often fall into that. Many people in, over the years have decided not to do anything to work on their relationship because they might fail at saving their relationship, thereby guaranteeing that they would lose their relationship. It's just a little trick our brain does, and it sometimes comes to us as a feeling of not having energy. It's the nagging unknown. But then there's another, a fourth reason that people often don't have energy, and it's because they're burning all of their energy trying to figure things out. It's the paralysis by analysis, where whatever they do, they tend to analyze it to death and never take action. So they keep reading different things, keep reading different things, keep reading different things, keep watching videos, listening to audios, doing all these things, and never really do anything because they get some conflicting piece. One place says to do this, another place says to do this, one place says this means this, another place this means this. And in the process, they keep bringing in so much information that they never take action because they're trying to analyze it to death without ever taking action. It's kind of like if you have a decision to make and you start asking people their opinion of it and they give you different opinions, you still have to choose at some point what task, what approach you're going to take. In the end, no matter what somebody else says, you still have to step into it. Sometimes we fool ourselves into thinking we're doing something when we're trying to figure out what to do. In the process of trying to decide what action to take, it somehow makes us feel like we're somehow taking action. So in the process of studying of of all of this research that people are doing, they're not doing anything, but they're draining energy without ever taking the next step. Let me suggest that the process of gathering your information, the process of learning about what happened and what you might do to move forward is not even step one. It's the preparation for step one. The analysis, the learning, is only the process to move you to your steps. Now, it's not unimportant. In fact, it's very important for you to understand what's going on. It's very important for you to have your plan. 
But what's not helpful is thinking that that is the same as having a plan. It's kind of like looking at a map and acting as if that's taking the trip. I've used the analogy of a journey so many times because that really is kind of what life is like. You're, you're following this path and you can take a lot of different approaches and a lot of them will have dead ends and you'll have to come back and find another way. And that's just the way life goes. It's the way relationships go. If things aren't working, we hit a dead end or a rough patch and we can find another way around that. So the journey metaphor is one that I often think about. So let's say that I decide to go to California. And I spend a lot of time looking at the map and plotting my route and thinking about all the different ways and all the different things I'm going to see. I might even go and read guidebooks. I remember doing this years ago before my wife and I could afford to do any travel at all back when I was in grad school. And we would look at the guidebooks and think about all the trips we could possibly take. And even we're trying to plan on those, just no resources to do it. But that wasn't taking a trip. It's not the same to read the guidebook as it is to go take the trip. It's not the same to look at the map as it is to go take the trip. But you want to take the guidebooks with you and you want to follow the map and you want to know what the path is because you got to know how you're going to get there. It's just that sometimes we fool ourselves into thinking that reading the guidebooks and looking at the map, it's the same as taking the trip, especially when it comes to something like saving your relationship. So part of the paralysis by analysis is that people keep analyzing and analyzing and analyzing, and it feels like they're doing something with them yet to take action. So those are the ways that we get lost. Those are the real issues that often underlie the feeling that there's no energy here. What do you do about that? Well, let me make some suggestions on that end so we can move beyond why you're stuck to how to get unstuck. The first one is to practice self-care. In other words, take care of yourself. Get exercise, get rest, deal with your stress. I've got a lot of these ideas in my Thrivology podcast about how to best take care of yourself because you are the instrument. As I've talked about in other podcasts, you are the most powerful tool you have to save your relationship. It's not selfish to take care of yourself. Many times people run themselves in the ground trying to do everything outside of them, not realizing that the first place they have to start is with themselves. You still use the analogy, and it still fits, of having a well. You have a well that you have to protect. There's water in that well. But if every time somebody comes by and they say, hey, I need some water, you scoop it out, you scoop it out and you scoop it out. And finally, you're getting down to the muddy water and you don't have any for yourself, nor do you have it to share with others. Sometimes we have to say, wait, I've got to let the water refill. I've got to have some water myself before I can help somebody else. Remember that analogy that you've probably heard before. That when you're on a plane, if there's something that happens on the plane, you have to put your oxygen mask on before you help anybody around you. Otherwise, you won't be much good to them. So practice self-care. Find some ways of bringing energy into your life. This is the time in the midst of all these other stressors to focus on taking care of yourself a little bit, to make sure you're eating well to make sure you're getting some exercise, to make sure you're getting adequate amount of sleep, to make sure you're practicing some ways of dealing with your stress. 
By the way, I just had a podcast come out a couple of days ago on Thrivology about how important breathing is, so you might want to check that out. But do practice self-care. The second thing is to make and follow a plan to save your relationship. This is one of the tools that I have in my VIP program uh, for members of VIP. It's actually a fill-in-the-blank plan to save your marriage. Now, you don't have to use that. You can create your own plan. I just suggest that you have a plan, that you make it. That's step one. And step two, that you actually follow it. Remember, if you just make your plan, but you're not following it, it's kind of like looking at the map and reading the guidebooks and then not going. It might be fun, but it's not going to move you very far. So make and follow a plan to save your relationship. Why do you want to change it? How do you want to change it? What do you want to do? How do you want to work on yourself? How do you want to move to being a we? I mean, those are three big areas that I always recommend, actually four areas. The first area is having your big why. Why are you working on this? Because that will help you with the hows you're going to do it, the how. Three hows. Number one, how are you going to connect with your spouse? Number two, how are you going to work to change yourself? Number three, how are you going to create a new path, a new way for your relationship to move forward? Because remember, the path you've on got you to here. The path you're on is is how you're at this place, and you need a new path to be to somewhere else. Number three is to start looking in your life for the difference between the urgent and important. These days, this is vitally important. Lots of things are going to push you, and it's going to feel like it's urgent. All these pieces in life divide into urgent and important. Some things are actually urgent and important, but some of them are important. They're not urgent, though. In fact, many relationships got into trouble because the people in the relationship didn't realize that the important stuff was on how you connect. It didn't feel urgent, and so suddenly it was desperate. So being able to differentiate what's urgent and important, but what's urgent and unimportant that you can set aside to deal with what's important but not particularly urgent? How can you focus on those priorities? Because that really is the difference between how we live and how we prioritize. Many people have a list of priorities, And if they listed them out and then you compared it to what they did in their life, they would not match because the urgent keeps pulling them away from dealing with the important. So look for the urgent versus the important and make sure that the urgent and important, they almost always get taken care of. But the next up is the important, but not urgent. The fourth thing is to simplify. When people read book after book after book after book and watch video after video after video after video from different people, they get lots of different opinions and it complicates the situation. My task over my career is to help you simplify. That's why I broke it down into the three pieces, right? When I wrote the book, How to Save Your Marriage in Three Simple Steps, notice I simplified I didn't ever say it was easy, but it's simple. A very direct approach is important. Humans tend to complexify the simple and simplify the complex. So don't complexify the simple. 
how we live in a relationship is based on three pieces. The connection, bringing your best self there, that's how you be yourself, and the fact that we're trying to become a we. Those are the three components of saving a relationship, rebuilding the connection, changing yourself so you're growing into the best person you can be, and creating a new path where you become a we. That's the focus of my system. So this is the invitation. I give it every time. I don't have other people that are sponsors of this podcast because I want you to know where to move next. And the place to move next is to grab the system. You can find it at savethemarriage.com. That's savethemarriage.com. Start there. Just go to savethemarriage.com. Grab the system. You can have it in your hands in probably less than 10 minutes if you go ahead and grab it. Now, right now, I do give you a free week of my VIP program. It's a virtual intensive program that includes that plan I was telling you about. You fill in the plan and you follow it. It's simple as that. I give you the steps one by one that you do to fill in that plan. So it's not that it's just a blank piece of paper. I tell you how to create your plan and how to think through that. That's part of VIP along with a lot of other tools. You can get a free week just by saying yes when I offer it to you. You have to sign up for it. I'm not going to force it on you, but it is a free week that's only available when you're grabbing the system. The other thing is we want to make sure that you're getting started because finding the energy is often about getting around that sense of overwhelm. So I have a team of coaches who can work with you one-on-one. And if you go ahead and grab the system, when you get to your download page, just hit the button that says, I want to talk to a coach. You fill in a little information, a coach contacts you, you pick a time, you meet together, and you make sure that you're getting started instead of getting overwhelmed. That's the process you need in place. Please start now by going to savethemarriage.com and get started with my program. That's savethemarriage.com. It's very simple. It's very direct. There's no reason to be overwhelmed. Let's get you moving forward. Let's help you find the energy to save your marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com.